Chapter Ten of Leatherface: A Tale of Old Flanders. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Leatherface: A Tale of Old Flanders by Baroness Orksey. Chapter Ten: Enemies when she woke mark was sitting as he was so fond of doing on a low stool close to the hearth with one long leg stretched out to the blaze his elbow resting on his knee his face overshadowed by his hand lenora even as she first opened her eyes saw that he was looking at her a quick blush rose to her cheeks is it time to go she asked quickly not yet he replied she was a little startled and looked around her puzzled and anxious the room had looked so light and cheerful when she had entered it two large bow windows gave on the grand place and the weather had remained clear and bright but now it seemed so dark almost as if twilight was fading fast what hour is it she questioned and looked about her anxiously for a clock i do not know he replied airily but your horse still at the farrier's he was busy and could not shoe her at once but i am sure it must be getting late she said with a sudden note of anxiety in her voice very late i am afraid he said lightly then should we not be starting for brussels we cannot i have no horse you can hire one surely not in this town but i must be in brussels by nightfall she urged i am afraid that this is impossible in any case the powers that reign supreme in this town would not if you remember allow us into it and now they will not allow us out but that is impossible she exclaimed monstrous monstrous as you say madonna he rejoined with a smile but do you feel equal to scaling the city walls oh i fear me that it would be the only thing to do if indeed you desire to be in brussels this night and even then i doubt but that they would bring us back then monsieur she asked trying to appear as calm as detached as he seemed to be do you mean to tell me that we must spend the night here it is a pretty city he suggested that we cannot now start for brussels impossible the shout of dendermond hath refused to allow us out of this city until we have proved to his satisfaction that we are neither spies of the prince of orange nor emissaries of the queen of england you should have seen to it monsieur she said haughtily that all our papers were in order this is an exceedingly mortifying and unpleasant contretemps i do not know the french word for it madonna he rejoined with exasperating good-humour but i know that it must be somewhat unpleasant for you she tried to meet his glance without that tell-tale blush spreading immediately over her cheeks and she could have cried with vexation 
when she saw that the merry twinkle was more apparent in his grey eyes than it had been since their wedding-day i believe she said slowly that you monsieur have devised this scheme from beginning to end you neglected your papers purposely purposely you quarrelled with the provost at the gate purposely you have caused me to be detained in this miserable city a pretty city madonna he interposed imperturbably the church was built three hundred years ago the cloth hall and now you are impertinent she declared hotly impertinent he said quietly even though the merry gently mocking glance still lingered in his eyes impertinent because i decline to look on the present situation as a tragedy how can i do that madonna since it gives me the opportunity of spending an evening alone with you you might have done that yesterday and saved me much humiliation she retorted yesterday i was a fool madonna he said to-day i have become a wise man what hath changed you ten minutes of your company in the dining-hall last night she made no reply glad enough that at this moment twilight was already fading into dusk in the ingle-nook where they sat there was hardly any light now save the glow of the fire anon the buxom sad-eyed hostess came in carrying a lamp which she placed on one of the tables in the tapperage she seemed to know by that subtle instinct which pertains to every woman's heart that the seigneur and his noble lady did not wish to be disturbed this was not the busy hour at the hostel in about an hour's time the soldiers off duty would be coming in and the shopkeepers from their shops after their day's work but just now there was no one so the kindly old soul having so placed the lamp that a beneficent shadow still enveloped the ingle-nook quietly tiptoed out of the room several minutes went by before lenora was able to shake off the curious torpor which had fallen over her senses nor could she in any way account for the sweet feeling of well-being which accompanied it she had made no reply to mark's last words nor did she make any now she lay back in her chair with eyes half closed feeling knowing that he was looking at her unceasingly with that intent searching gaze of his which she had encountered once or twice before she felt as if he were trying to reach her very soul he the careless ne'er-do-well the dissolute frequenter of taverns what did he care for a woman's soul and yet it seemed impossible for lenora at this moment to disguise from that searching gaze all those terrible conflicts which had literally been tearing her heart asunder in the past few hours nay more it seemed as if the very letter which lay inside the folds of her kerchief addressed to her father must be lying open before her husband's eyes and that he was reading it even now
the feeling became akin to a sweet obsession and gradually she allowed her senses to yield themselves to its soothing influence after all had she not been sure that sooner or later god would make his will manifest to her had she not prayed for guidance had she not hoped all the morning that something would prevent her journey to brussels content to leave everything in god's hands she had yet hoped that god would point the way to which her own heart was tending and now circumstances had suddenly occurred which did impede the journey the horse had cast a shoe the provost at the gate had proved officious the hour had slipped by and no horse was forthcoming given the absolute simplicity of the girl's religious thoughts her upbringing the superstition which underlay all beliefs in the old tenets of the church during this period of stress and struggle through which she was groping her way through darkness into light given lenora's pure nature and the proud humility which accepted unquestioningly all the commands of those whom she had been taught to reverence was it to be wondered at that while she was quite ready to do her duty she should nevertheless hope and think that she had at last received a distinct supernatural sign that her journey to brussels was not one of those decrees of god before which everything on earth must bow and every obstacle be removed but even then in spite of her wishes and her hopes she fought on to the last and refused to yield to the sweet insistent call of peace and of sentiment what she took to be a sign from god might easily be an insidious machination of the devil there was a quaint look of gentle amusement in mark's eyes which was certainly disquieting and it was just possible that it was he who had wittingly or unwittingly assumed the role of a guiding providence in the matter therefore she steeled her heart against those subtle whisperings which seemed to lure her on every side to give up the fight to allow herself to drift on the soothing wave which even now was carrying her to a haven where all was peace and quietude and where there was neither strife nor intrigue monsieur she said abruptly and as repellently as she could i pray you enlighten mine ignorance how many cowardly deeds of this sort stand to your discredit he smiled quite unperturbed you think me an adept he asked quietly you are not ashamed she retorted not in the least what have i done insulted me at every turn she said very calmly what is this detention here alone with you in this strange town away even from the protection of my own serving wench what is it but an insult you have shown me plainly enough by every means in your power that you had no liking for me even last night she paused because tears of humiliation which she would have given worlds not to shed 
would come to her eyes and her voice shook in spite of every effort which she made at self-control madonna he entreated and suddenly he was quite close to her with one knee almost touching the ground as you are beautiful so will you not be merciful to a miserable wretch who hath been sorely perplexed by all the disdain which you have so generously lavished upon him disdain monsieur surely i surely he broke in gently you have every right to despise a worthless fellow whom an evil chance hath given you for husband but have i not been punished enough for daring to accept what the kind goddess did offer me i had no thought of punishing you monsieur she said earnestly when i stood beside you at the altar i was a broken-hearted woman to whom fate in the person of a miserable assassin had dealt a cruel blow i loved my cousin monsieur oh i know she broke in quietly i ought not to speak of this it is unseemly and perhaps unkind but i did love him and he was murdered foully abominably wickedly murdered not killed in a fair fight not openly but in a dark passage waylaid by a brigand killed he the only man who had ever spoken tenderly to me and killed by one of your own people a friend of the prince of orange a man whom popular talk hath nicknamed leatherface oh i know she added hastily seeing that instinctively he had drawn away from her and was now staring straight into the fire with a hard expression on his face which she could not fathom i know that you have no hand in these conspiracies from that indifference rather than loyalty i believe you have never taken up the cause of rebellion against our sovereign lord but tell me monsieur could i a young inexperienced girl could i dissociate you and yours in my mind from that faction who had sent my kinsman to his death could i come to you with a whole heart and a soul freed from all thoughts of hatred and revenge i meant to do my duty by you and had you but helped me i might have succeeded instead of which your coldness repelled me i am of the south monsieur i am not one of your cold unemotional netherlanders who can go through life without one thrill of the heart brought on by a tender word or a caress i was in your house but a few hours and already my soul was starving my heart craved for that which you were not able to give god forgive me madonna he murmured for a blind insensate fool but he did not look at her as he said this and there was a curious dreary tone in his voice so unlike his usual light-hearted gaiety how you must hate us all he added with a sigh i would not hate you monsieur she said so softly that he scarcely could hear your brother lawrence hath been kind to me and i know that you take no part in those miserable plots that have treachery and assassination 
for their ultimate goal as for the prince of orange and his friends yes i do hate them as i do all pestilential creatures that turn on the hand that feeds them madonna he exclaimed hotly and suddenly he was quite close to her once again both her little hands held tightly in his own his eyes had lost all their merriment they were full of a glowing ardour which seemed to penetrate into her very soul madonna he continued may god forgive you for indeed you know not what you say child child will you think a moment are we not human creatures like yourself do we not live and breathe and eat and love just like you do in spain have we no hearts to feel no eyes to see the misery which our people suffer through the presence of a stranger in our land would you see a teuton place his iron heel on spain and on her people would you see the emperor enforce his laws his faith his ideals upon your kith and kin would you stand by whilst foreign soldiery swaggered about your cities outraged your women and plundered your homes would you rest content if the faith which god hath given you was made akin to treachery and to rebellion the hand that feeds the netherlands madonna he added whilst a bitter mirthless laugh escaped his lips nay the hand against which the valiant prince of orange hath raised his in vengeance is the hand that hath devastated our land pillaged our cities and sent our people naked and starving out into the world gradually while he spoke she had drawn herself away from him and she would have disengaged her hands too only that he held them so tightly imprisoned but ramon was murdered monsieur she said slowly can you expect me to forget that and even now i would dare swear there are men who would murder the duke of alva if they could or my father he made no answer to that perhaps had she not mentioned her father he might have tried to tell her that killing was not always murder but at times the work of a justiciary ramon like the noisome brute that he was deserved death as no mere ordinary criminal ever had deserved it but how could he tell her that when in her heart she had evidently kept a picture of the man so totally unlike the vile and execrable reality so now he only sighed and remained silent the time had not yet come when this exquisite tender-hearted girl must see the riddles of life solved before her one by one when she would realize that there is a wider horizon in this world than that which she perceived above a convent wall she had been brought up with ideals thoughts and aspirations that had nothing to do with the great and bitter truths which were proclaimed in every corner of this downtrodden land her ideas of king and country of duty of loyalty must all be shattered by the crude realities of life 
ere upon their ruins she built for herself a purer holier edifice of faith and hope and infinite charity a tender pity for her innocence and her ignorance filled mark's heart and soul a maddening desire seized him to fold her in his arms and carry her away somewhere into a dream-world far away where there were no intrigues and no cruelties no oppression and misery and yet again he would have loved to go with her there where sorrow and poverty were keenest for he knew that her soul unbeknown even to herself was full of that gentle compassion which knows how to alleviate pain just by a look from tear-dimmed eyes or a touch from a gentle hand all that and more his look conveyed to her although he remained silent and she by a curious intuition knew just what was in his mind the impassioned appeal which he had made to her just now told her that he was not the indifferent ne'er-do-well that every one supposed he felt deeply and keenly more deeply and keenly mayhap than those men who plotted murders at dead of night he was not a blind follower of the lieutenant-governor or of her father he saw the misery under which his people groaned and his careless detached air obviously hid intense bitterness and resentment but strangely enough she did not blame him for this suddenly she seemed to see the whole aspect of this strange country under a new light the cause of the netherlanders had in one instant appeared to her from a wholly different point of view because mark was their defender and their champion she felt that they could not be wholly vile this mayhap was not logic but it was something more potent more real than logic the soft insinuating voice of sentiment which whispered would he champion that cause if it were base would that fiery ardour fill his soul for a cause that was unworthy and lenora suddenly felt an overwhelming desire to confide in this one man to place before him all the perplexities which were tearing her soul somehow she felt that he would help her out of that tangled labyrinth wherein she had been groping all night and all day but shyness held her back she did not know how to broach the subject how to tell him all about her oath her obedience to her father what she had done last night what she thought it her duty to do in the future it was all very difficult and lenora sighed wearily there is so much in what you said just now monsieur she began timidly that i would like to understand more clearly i am so ignorant my life has been so restricted i know so little of the world will you let me give you a few lessons he queried softly there are so many mazes in life through which it is only possible to find the way by going hand in hand hand in hand she sighed i am a stranger in this strange land monsieur all that i know of it hath been taught me 
by those who have no love for it you are a stranger in this whole world dear heart he said with a smile this little bit of netherlands is but a tiny corner of it its sorrows its joys its pain and happiness are but the sorrows and happiness of the rest of the world one day perhaps you will let me take your little hand in mine and then we would go and explore the whole of this strange world together i wonder what we would find she mused we would find that despite intrigues and cruelty and hatred there is much in it that is still beautiful and pure if we went hand in hand you and i we would not wander with eyes downcast and seeking in the mud for the noxious things which foul god's creation by their presence we would look upwards sweet and see the soft blue of our northern skies veiled as it so often is with silvery mists that hold the entire gamut of exquisite colors in their fairy bosoms we would see the green leaves of the trees turn to russet and gold in the autumn we would see the linnets nesting in the bay-trees in the spring there are many beautiful things in this dreary world of ours dear heart but they can only be seen if two pairs of eyes look on them at one and the same time and two pairs of lips whisper together in thankfulness to god how strange it was to hear him talking like this mark van Rijk, the haunter of taverns and careless profligate lenora's eyes dark luminous inquiring were fixed upon him and gradually as he spoke his arms stole closer and closer round her shoulders as it had done two nights ago in ghent when she had so wantonly turned on him in hatred now she felt as if she could go on listening to him for hours and hours thus alone in this semi-darkness with the glow of dying embers upon his face showing the strong outline of cheek and jaw and the fine sweep of the forehead with the straight brows above those kind grey eyes she could have listened because she loved the sound of his voice and the quaint foreign intonation wherewith he spoke the spanish tongue no of a truth she did not dislike him certainly she had no cause for hatred against him for what had he to do with traitors or with assassins he who spoke so gently of birds and skies and trees if you will still let me hold this little hand dear heart he whispered now speaking so low that in order to hear she had to lower her head until his lips were quite close to her ear we could learn one lesson together which god only teaches to his elect and what lesson is that she asked feigning not to understand though she knew quite well what the answer would be that which the nightingale teaches its mate when in may the hawthorn is in bloom and the west wind whispers among its leaves the lesson of love love she said with a strange tremor in her voice the world no longer contains love for me the world perhaps not dear sweet he said more gaily 
but there is a heart beating close to yours now which holds i swear an infinity of love for you and once more as he spoke the same magic spell of a while ago descended upon lenora it seemed as if for the moment life the dreary wretched life of the past few days had ceased and a kind of dream existence had begun and in this dream existence she lenora was all alone with this stranger this man whom but a few days ago she had not even seen who had had no part in her life in the peaceful past when she knew nothing of the world beyond the old convent walls at segovia yet now in the dream existence she was alone with him and she was content ramon was not there he had become the past all the future for her seemed suddenly to be bound up with mark and she was content he had spoken of beauty of skies of birds and of the gifts of god and he still held her hand and his arm now was right round her so that she could feel him drawing her closer and closer to him the while the magic spell worked upon her senses and she felt a delicious languor pervading her entire being give me your lips sweetheart he whispered in her ear and i'll give you your first lesson even now and verily i do believe that lenora would have yielded here and now content to leave the great solution of her life's riddle in the omnipotent hands of love forgetting her oath to her father the death of ramon the danger which threatened the duke of alva conspiracies treacheries rebellion everything what did it all matter what did the world and its intrigues and its politics count beside the insistent the wonderful call of love the call of man to woman of bird to bird to mate and to nest and to be happy to forget the universe in one embrace to renounce the kingdoms of the world in the first blissful kiss for a few seconds lenora remained quite still while happiness the strange and mysterious elf fluttered softly about the room it hovered for a while above that ingle-nook where two young hearts were mutely calling one to another and it looked down on the beautiful girl with the glowing eyes and parted lips who with every fibre of her ardent being and the insistence of her youth was ready to capture it and chance fate or its own elusive nature drove it relentlessly away how peaceful was the sleepy little town at this moment when dusk finally faded into night the tower bells of the cloth hall chimed the sixth hour outside on the grand place all had been still save for the occasional footsteps of a passer-by or the measured tramp of a company of halberdiers on duty and now suddenly that peace was broken the quietude of the town disturbed by piercing woman's shrieks followed by shouts and curses uttered loudly by a rough masculine voice mark instinctively jumped to his feet 
the cries had become pitiable and were multiplied by others which seemed to come from children's throats and the shouts and curses became more peremptory and more rough what is it asked lenora not a little frightened oh the usual thing replied mark hastily a woman insulted in the streets vain protests rough usage outrage and probably murder we are used to such incidents in flanders he added quietly already he was half-way across the tapperage you are going she queried anxiously whither out into the street he said can you not hear that a woman is in distress but what can you do she urged the soldiers are there you cannot interfere you a netherlander yes i a netherlander he said it is a flemish woman who is calling for help now he turned to go and she with the same instinct that was moving him rose too and followed him the same instinct of protection his the man's for the woman who was in distress hers the woman's for the man who would pit his strength alone against superior numbers she overtook him just as he reached the threshold of the tapperage beyond it was only the porch the door of which stood wide open and beyond that the grand place the shrieks and the ever-increasing noise of a scuffle came from an adjacent street close by you must not go monsieur she said insistently as with both hands she clung to his arms what can you do there is a crowd there and the soldiers he smiled and tried very gently to disengage his arm from her clinging insistent grasp it will not be the first time madonna he said with a light laugh that i have had a scuffle with a posse of soldiery they sometimes mean no harm he added reassuringly seeing the look of anxious terror in her eyes many a time has a scuffle ended in jollity at a few words of common sense yes yes in ghent she urged where you are known but here where no one knows you spies of the inquisition might be about if they see you interfering in favour of a heretic or a rebel or oh men have been hanged and burned for lesser crimes than that ah he said looking down with a whimsical smile into her flushed and eager face that is part of the benevolent rule which our sovereign lord the king exercises over the low countries then seeing that at his flippant words through which there rang a note of intense bitterness her eyes had suddenly filled with tears he murmured tenderly god bless you madonna for your sweet thoughts of me i pray you let me go i'll come back soon he added while a look of triumph flashed up in his eyes never fear he ran out quickly into the street she hesitated but only for a second the next she had followed him without thought that she had neither hood nor mantle nor that the unseemliness of her conduct would surely have shocked all the great ladies of spain the grand place was deserted and dark only here and there in the windows of the cloth hall there was a glimmer of light 
for a moment lenora paused in the porch peering out into the gloom trying to trace whence came the noise of the scuffle for mark had already disappeared then she ran out swiftly turning to her right from the porch till she reached the corner of a narrow street here an oil lamp fixed into a wall by an iron bracket threw a dim circle of light beyond which the shadows appeared almost impenetrable it was somewhere in amongst those shadows that a malay between shouting soldiers and shrieking women was taking place up to this moment lenora had never stopped to reflect as to what she meant or wanted to do blind instinct had driven her in the wake of mark feeling that he was in danger as indeed he was a netherlander these days was in himself always an object of suspicion and interference with spanish soldiery under any circumstances was indeed likely to lead him into very grave trouble if the soldiers were arresting or merely molesting a heretic or a rebel any one who interfered with them would at once fall under the searching eye of the inquisition and there was never a lack of spies on such occasions the seven silver people who for that paltry daily sum spent their lives in reporting treason listening for it in every tavern and in every back street of every city but now that she stood here at the street corner hearing the ever-increasing noise of the scuffle close by hearing the shouts the cries the pitiable appeals followed by peremptory commands she realized how miserably impotent and helpless she was yet she could hear mark's voice speaking now in spanish and now in flemish as he tried obviously to understand the situation and to plead for those who were in distress at first his voice had sounded rough and peremptory indeed lenora could not help but marvel at its commanding quality then gradually it became cheerful and its tone turned to one of merry banter the incident indeed was evidently one of those which alas were so usual in the cities and villages of the low countries these days two young women coming home down the dark back streets from some farm or silk weaving shop where they had been at work and a posse of half-drunken soldiers to whom a flemish peasant was an acknowledged prey for ribald sport the women had resisted and tried to flee they were pursued and rough horseplay had ensued then they had screamed and the men had sworn and presently other women and children joined in the scuffle while those who were wise stayed quietly indoors horseplay had become a matter of blows followed by threats of arrest and dark hints at heresy rebellion and the inquisition the malay was at its height when mark interfered several blows were still exchanged after that and there was a good deal of swearing and mutual objurgation lenora listening wondered with what skill mark gradually made those curses 
turn to facetious remarks ill-natured at first and uncouth then more light-hearted and finally grudgingly pleasant within five minutes the tumult began to subside lenora could hear the women weeping and the soldiers laughing quite good-humouredly how it had all been done she did not know presently from the tramping of feet she gathered that the malay had broken up a woman's voice said loudly god for gelt and lenora thought that indeed god would repay the light-hearted man of the world who had by sheer good-humour and compelling personality turned a drama into pleasing farce well friend she heard a man's voice saying in spanish i don't know who you are but a right good fellow and i'm not mistaken perhaps it was wisest to leave those women alone i am sure of it friend quoth mark gaily the commandant off makes a to-do about street brawling and you might have been blamed and got two days guard-room arrest just for kissing a pair of flemish wenches the game was not worth the candle even the devil would have no profit in it well said mate retorted the other lustily come and have a mug of ale on it with me and my men at the duke's head down yonder thank you friend but i put up at the merry beggars and must return thither now a little later perhaps at your service comrade there was a pause during which lenora made up her mind since all tumult and all danger had passed to go back to that inglenook beside the fire and there to wait till mark returned to wait so that she might resume with him that conversation of a while ago which had interested her so much but on the point of turning she halted three words spoken by one of the soldiers had come to her out of the gloom and caused her heart to stop its beating you are hurt one man had said in a kind gruff way evidently in deep concern no no it's nothing mark replied a small scratch in the scuffle just now but you are bleeding and if i am friend it won't be the first time in my life i tell you it's nothing added mark with obvious impatience good-night good-night came in chorus from the men the measured tramp of booted feet slowly dying away in the distance down the narrow street told lenora that at last the men had gone but mark was hurt and she stood waiting at the street corner for she heard his step coming slowly toward her he was hurt and had made light of it but one of the soldiers had remarked that he was bleeding and she waited now for him dreading yet vaguely hoping that he was really wounded oh only slightly but still wounded so that she might wait on him so strange is a woman's heart when first it wakes from the dreams the unrealities the fairy worlds of childhood with beating heart lenora listened to that slowly advancing footstep how slow it seemed but if it had lost that elasticity which but a few moments ago had carried mark bounding down this same street now it dragged and finally came to a halt 
just as mark's figure emerged into the shaft of light thrown along the wall by the street-lamp close to which lenora was standing she smothered a little cry and ran forward to meet him for she had seen his figure sway and halt then lean heavily against the wall you are hurt she exclaimed even before she reached him at the sound of her voice he pulled himself together and in a moment had straightened out his shoulders and was walking quite steadily toward her madonna he cried in astonishment what are you doing here oh i-i she murmured a little ashamed now that she met his pleasant grey eyes fixed so kindly upon her i heard the noise i became anxious it was only a street brawl he said not fit for you to witness even now though he spoke quite firmly his voice sounded weary and weak you are hurt she reiterated hurt no he laughed but the laughter died on his lips he had to steady himself against the wall for a sudden dizziness had seized him i pray you take my arm she insisted can you walk as far as the tavern indeed i can he retorted on my honour tis a mere scratch and you'll not take my arm she said peremptorily i'll call for help heaven forbid he exclaimed gaily i should be laughed at for a malingerer shall we return to the tavern madonna and will you not take mine arm he held his right arm out to her but as he did so she noticed that he kept the other behind his back she did take his arm however it was obviously best since he was more severely hurt than he cared to admit to go at once back to the tavern and dress the wound there with water and clean linen they walked in silence side by side it was only a matter of an hundred yards or so and after a very few moments they reached the porch of the merry beggars and as the buxom hostess was standing there vaguely wondering what had happened to her guests lenora at once dispatched her off for a basin of clean warm water and her very softest linen towels then she went into the tapperage and mark followed her the room was as peaceful as deserted as it had been a while ago the host himself had in the interval made up the fire and it was blazing brightly lighting up the little inglenook with the high-backed chair wherein lenora had sat and the low one drawn so close to it turning to mark she noticed that he still kept his left arm resolutely behind his back our good hostess won't be long with the water she said in the meanwhile i pray you let me tend to your wound it was nothing madonna i entreat you he said with marked impatience a blow from a halberd caught me on the arm i scarcely feel it now let me see she commanded then as he made no movement to obey she half crying with anxiety and half laughing with excitement ran swiftly round him and in an instant she had hold of his left hand and with gentle pressure compelled him to yield it to her he tried to struggle but the pain in his arm rendered it somewhat helpless i insist she said gently 
and clung to his hand supporting the forearm as she did so your sleeve is covered with blood she exclaimed it is nothing he persisted obstinately but for the moment she was the stronger of the two short of doing her violence he could not prevent her from holding his hand with one of hers and with the other undoing the buttons at his wrist then with utmost gentleness she detached the shirt which was sticking to a deep gaping wound that stretched from the wrist right up to the elbow oh but this is terrible she cried no blow from a halberd would have inflicted such a wound oh why does not that woman hurry she added whilst tears of vexation and impatience rose to her eyes there was nothing to hand wherewith she could staunch the wound even momentarily every second was precious i have a knowledge of such matters she said gently at the convent we tended on many wounded soldiers when they came to us hurt from the wars this is no fresh wound monsieur she added slowly but an old and very severe one dealt not so very long ago by a dagger probably which tore the flesh and muscle right deeply to the bone it had not healed completely the blow from the halberd caused it to reopen and but the next words remained frozen on her lips even whilst she spoke she had gradually felt a death-like feeling like an icy hand gripping her heart and tearing at its strings an awful dizziness seized her she looked up still holding mark's hand and gazed straight into his face he too was pale as the dead ashes in the grate his whole face had become wax-like in its rigidity only his eyes remained alive and glowing fixed into her own now with a look which held a world of emotion in its depth passionate tenderness and mute appeal an avowal and a yearning and with it all an infinity of despair and she thus looking into that face which only lived through the eyes saw all around her the narrow whitewashed walls of the tapperage fading away into darkness in their stead she saw a narrow passage dark and gloomy and in its remotest and darkest corner a figure cowered clad in dark clothes from head to foot and wearing a mask of leather upon its face the assassin waiting for his prey and she saw ramon handsome light-hearted debonair ramon her kinsman and her lover standing unsuspecting by she saw it all the picture as her father had painted it for her edification the assassin lying in wait ramon unsuspecting she saw the murder committed there in the dark the stealthy surreptitious blow she saw ramon totter and fall but before falling turn on the dastardly murderer and with hand already half paralyzed by oncoming death deal him a deep and gashing wound in the left forearm with his dagger which tore flesh and muscle between elbow and wrist right through to the bone and while she looked straight into his eyes and yet saw nothing but the vision of that awful deed her lips murmured automatically 
the four accusing words then it was you he had not for one second lost his hold upon himself since that awful moment when he realized that she guessed he had no idea that don ramon at the point of death had spoken of the wound which he had inflicted on the man who had meted out summary justice to him for his crimes but now he knew that the secret which he would have buried with him in a bottomless grave was known to her to the woman whom he had learned to love with his whole soul she knew now and henceforth they must be not only strangers but bitter enemies nothing not even perhaps his own death would ever wipe away the sense of utter abhorrence wherewith she regarded him now he took his last look of her as one does of one infinitely dear who sinks into the arms of death he drank in every line of her exquisite face the childlike contour of chin and throat her alabaster-like skin the exquisite mouth which he was destined now never to touch with his yearning lips in this supreme moment his love for her only just in its infancy rose to its full effulgence he knew now that he worshipped her and knew that never while the shadow of her dead kinsman stood between them would he hold her in his arms then it was you she murmured again and with those fateful words pronounced his condemnation and her own indomitable hate madonna he entreated speaking with the infinite tenderness and pity which filled his heart will you deign to listen if i try to plead mine own cause but no look of softness came into her eyes they were glowing and dry and unseeing she did not see him not mark her husband as he stood there now before her she saw him cowering in a dark corner clad in sombre clothes and wearing a leather mask she saw him with an assassin's dagger in his hand and she saw ramon lying dead at his feet then it was you she said for the third time and he bent his head in mute avowal for a few seconds longer she stood there rigid and silent slowly her fingers opened and his hand which she had held dropped away to his side a shudder went right through her she tottered and nearly fell only saving herself by holding on to the corner of the table he made a movement as if he would try and support her as if he would put his arms around her and pillow her against his breast but with an expression of supreme loathing she drew away from him and with a pitiable cry half of hatred and wholly of misery she turned and fled from the room End of chapter ten